Act Four of Love for Love by William Congreve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Four, Scene One Valentine's Lodging. Scandal and Jeremy. Well, is your master ready? Does he look madly and talk madly? Yes, sir. You need make no great doubt of that. He that was so near turning poet yesterday morning can't be much to seek in playing the madman today. Would he have Angelica acquainted with the reasons for his design? No, sir, not yet. He has a mind to try whether his playing the madman won't make her play the fool and fall in love with him or at least to own that she has loved him all this while and concealed it i saw her take coach just now with her maid and to think i heard her bid the coachman drive hither like enough sir for i told her maid this morning my master was run stark mad only for love of her mistress i hear a coach stop if it should be she sir i believe he would not see her till he hears how she takes it well i'll try her tis she here she comes scene two to them angelica with jenny mr scandal i suppose you don't think it a novelty to see a woman visit a man at his own lodgings in a morning not upon a kind occasion madam but when a lady comes tyrannically to insult a ruined lover and make manifest the cruel triumphs of her beauty, the barbarity of it, something surprises me. I don't like raillery from a serious face. Pray, tell me, what is the matter? No strange matter, ma'am. My master's mad, that's all. I suppose your ladyship has thought him so a great while. How do you mean, mad? Why, faith, ma'am, he's mad for want of his wits, just as he was poor for want of money. His head is e'en as light as his pockets, and anybody that has a mind to a bad bargain can't do better than to beg him for his estate. If you speak truth, your endeavouring at wit is very unseasonable. Scandal aside. She's concerned and loves him. Mr. Scandal, you can't think me guilty of so much inhumanity as not to be concerned for a man I must own myself obliged to. Pray tell me truth. A faith, madam, I wish telling a lie would mend the matter, but this is no new effect of an unsuccessful passion. Angelica, aside. I know not what to think, yet I should be vexed to have a trick put upon me may i not see him i'm afraid the physician is not willing you should see him yet jeremy go in and inquire scene three scandal angelica jenny huh. i saw him wink and smile i fancy this a trick i'll try i would disguise to all the world a failing which i must own to you i fear my happiness depends upon the recovery of valentine therefore i conjure you as you are his friend and as you have compassion upon one fearful of affliction to tell me what i am to hope for i cannot speak but you may tell me tell me for you know what i would ask so this is pretty plain but not too much concerned madam i hope his condition is not desperate an acknowledgment of love from you perhaps may work a cure as the fear of your aversion occasioned his distemper. angelica aside say you so nay then i'm convinced and if i don't play trick for trick i may never taste the pleasure of revenge acknowledgment of love i find you have mistaken my compassion and think me guilty of a weakness i am stranger to but i have too much sincerity to deceive you and too much charity to suffer him to be deluded with vain hopes good nature and humanity oblige me to be concerned for him but to love is neither in my power nor inclination 
and if he can't be cured without i suck the poison from his wounds i'm afraid he won't recover his senses till i lose mine hey brave woman i faith won't you see him then if he desire it what signify a madman's desires besides twould make me uneasy if i don't see him perhaps my concern for him may lessen if i forget him tis no more than he has done by himself and now the surprise is over methinks i am not half so sorry as i was so faith good nature works apace you were confessing just now an obligation to his love but i have considered that passions are unreasonable and involuntary if he loves he can't help it and if i don't love i can't help it no more than he can help his being a man or i my being a woman or no more than i can help my want of inclination to stay longer here come jenny scene four scandal jeremy huh. an admirable composition faith this same woman kind what is she gone sir gone why she was never here nor anywhere else nor i don't know her if i see her nor you neither good lack what's the matter now are any more of us to be mad why sir my master longs to see her and is almost mad in good earnest with the joyful news of her being here we are all under a mistake ask no questions for i can't resolve you but i'll inform your master in the meantime if our project succeeded no better with his father than it does with his mistress he may descend from his exaltation of madness into the road of common sense and be content only to be made a fool with other reasonable people i hear sir samson you know your cue i'll to your master scene five jeremy sir samson legend with a lawyer do you see mr buckram here's the paper signed with his own hand good sir and the conveyance is ready drawn in this box if he be ready to sign and seal ready body o me he must be ready his sham sickness shan't excuse him oh here's his scoundrel sirrah where's your master ah sir he's quite gone gone what he is not dead no sir not dead what is he gone out of town run away ha has he tricked me speak varlet no no sir he's safe enough sir and he were but as sound poor gentleman he is indeed here sir and not here sir heyday rascal do you banter me sirrah do you banter me speak sirrah where is he for i will find him would you could sir for he has lost himself indeed sir i have almost broke my heart about him i can't refrain from tears when i think of him sir i'm as melancholy for him as a passing bell sir or a horse in a pound a pox confound your similitude sir speak to be understood and tell me in plain terms what the matter is with him or i'll crack your full skull ah there you've hit it sir that's the matter with him sir his skull's cracked poor gentleman he's stark mad sir mad what is he non compos quite non compos sir why then all's obliterated sir samson if he be non compos mentis his act indeed will be of no effect it is not good in law oons i wouldn't believe it let me see him sir mad i'll make him find his senses mr scandal is with him sir i'll knock at the door goes to the scene which opens scene six sir sampson valentine scandal jeremy and lawyer valentine upon a couch disorderly dressed how now what's here to do valentine starting ha huh, who's that for heaven's sake softly sir and gently don't provoke him answer me who is that and that gads bobs does he not know me 
Is he mischievous? I'll speak gently. Val, Val, dost thou not know me, boy? Not know thy own father, Val? I am thy own father, and this is honest, brief Buckram, the lawyer. It may be so. I did not know you. The world is full. There are people that we do know, and people that we do not know, and yet the sun shines upon all alike. There are fathers that have many children, and there are children that have many fathers. Tis strange, but I am truth, and come to give the world the lie. Body of me, I know not what to say to him. Why does that lawyer wear black? Does he carry his conscience without side? <laughs> lawyer, what art thou? Dost thou know me? O oh, Lord, what must I say? Yes, sir. Thou liest, for I am truth. Tis hard I cannot get a livelihood amongst you. I have been sworn out of Westminster Hall the first day of every term. Let me see. No matter how long. But I'll tell you one thing. It's a question that would puzzle an arithmetician. If you should ask him whether the Bible saves more souls in Westminster Abbey or damns more in Westminster Hall, <laughs> for my part... I am truth and can't tell. I have a very few acquaintance. But he, oh me, he talks sensibly in his madness. Has he no intervals? Very short, sir. Sir, I can do you no service while he's in this condition. Here's your paper, sir. He may do me a mischief if I stay. The conveyance is ready, sir, if he recover his senses. Scene seven. Sir Sampson, Valentine, Scandal, Jeremy. Hold, hold! Don't you go yet? You'd better let him go, sir, and send for him if there be occasion, for I fancy his presence provokes him more. Is the lawyer gone? Oh, tis well. Then we may drink about without going together by the ears. Hi-ho! What o'clock is it? Uh, my father here? Oh, your blessing, sir. He recovers. Bless thee, Val. How dost thou do, boy? Thank you, sir. Pretty well. I've been a little out of order. Won't you please to sit, sir? Aye, boy. Come, thou shalt sit down by me. Sir, tis my duty to wait. No, no, come, come, sit thee down, honest Val. How dost thou do? Let me feel thy pulse. Oh, pretty well now, Val. Body o' me, I was sorry to see thee indisposed. I'm glad thou art better, honest Val. I thank you, sir. Scandal aside. Miracle! The monster grows laughing. Let me feel thy hand again, Val. It does not shake. I believe thou canst write, Val. Ha, boy, thou canst write thy name, Val. In whisper to Jeremy. Jeremy, step and overtake Mr. Buckram. Bid him make haste back with the conveyance. Quick, quick. Scene 8. Sir Sampson, Valentine, Scandal. Scandal, aside. That ever I should suspect such a heathen of any remorse. Dost thou know this paper, Val? I know that honest, and wilt perform articles. Shows him the paper, but holds it out of his reach. Pray let me see it, sir. You hold it so far off that I can't tell whether I know it or no. See it, boy? Aye, aye, why, thou dost see it. Tis thy own hand, Valley. Why, let me see. I can read it as plain as can be. Look you here. Reads. The condition of this obligation. Look you, as plain as can be, so it begins. And then at the bottom, as witness my hand, Valentine legend, in great letters. Why, tis as plain as the nose in one's face. What, are my eyes better than thine? I believe I can read it farther off. Let me see. Stretches his arm as far as he can. Will you please to let me hold it, sir? Let thee hold it, sayest thou? Aye, with all my heart. What matter is it who holds it? 
What need anybody hold it? I'll put it up in my pocket, Val, and then nobody need hold it. Puts the paper in his pocket. There, Val, it's safe enough, boy, but thou shalt have it as soon as thou hast set thy hand upon another paper, little Val. Scene 9. To them, Jeremy with Buckram. What? Is my bad genius here again? Oh, no, tis the lawyer with an itching palm, and he comes to be scratched. My nails are not long enough. Let me have a pair of red-hot tongs quickly, quickly, and you shall see me act St. Dunstan and lead the devil by the nose. Oh, Lord, let me be gone. I'll not venture myself with a madman. Scene 10 Sir Sampson, Valentine, Scandal, Jeremy. Ha, ha, ha! You need not run so fast. Honesty will not overtake you. Ha, ha, ha! The rogue found me out to be in forma pauperis presently. Oons, what a vexation is here. I know not what to do or say, nor which way to go. Who's that that's out of his way? I am truth, and can set him right. Harky, friend, the straight road is the worst way you can go. He that follows his nose always will very often be led into a stink. Probatum est. But what are you for, religion or politics? There's a couple of topics for you, no more like one another than oil and vinegar, and yet those two beaten together by a state cook make sauce for the whole nation what the devil had i to do ever to beget sons why did i ever marry because thou wert a monster old boy the two greatest monsters in the world are a man and a woman what's thy opinion why my opinion is that those two monsters joined together make yet a greater. That's a man and his wife. Aha! Old true penny, sayest thou so? Thou hast nicked it, but it's wonderful strange, Jeremy. What is, sir? That grey hairs should cover a green head, and I make a fool of my father. What's here? Era Potter? or a bearded sibyl. If prophecy comes, truth must give place. Scene 11. Sir Sampson, Scandal, Foresight, Miss Foresight, Mrs. Frail. What says he? What did he prophesy? Oh, Sir Sampson, bless us. How are we? Are we? A pox o your prognostication. Why, we are fools as we used to be. Oons, that you could not foresee that the moon would predominate, and my son be mad. Where's your oppositions, your trines and your quadrates? What did your Cardan and your Ptolemy tell you? Your Mishala and your Longamontanus, your harmony of chiromancy and astrology. Ah, poxant, that I that know the world and men and manners, that don't believe a syllable in the sky and stars and sun and almanacs and trash, should be directed by a dreamer, an omen hunter and defer business in expectation of a lucky hour when body o me there never was a lucky hour after the first opportunity scene twelve scandal foresight mrs foresight mrs frail sir samson heaven help your head this is none of your lucky hour nemo omnibus oris sapit what is he gone and in contempt of science? Ill stars and unconvertible ignorance attend him. You must excuse his passion, Mr. Forsyth, for he has been heartily vexed. His son is non-compass mentis and therefore incapable of making any conveyance in law, so that all his measures are disappointed. Ah, say you so? Mrs. Frail, aside to Mrs. Forsyth. What? Has my sea-lover lost his anchor of hope, then? Oh, sister, what will you do with him? Do with him? Send him to sea again in the next foul weather. 
He's used to an inconstant element and won't be surprised to see the tide turned. Forsyte considers. Wherein was I mistaken not to foresee this? Scandal aside to Mrs. Forsyte. Madam, you and I can tell him something else that he does not foresee, and more particularly relating to his own fortune. What do you mean? I don't understand you. Hush, softly. The pleasures of last night, my dear. Too considerable to be forgot so soon. Last night? And what would your impudence infer from last night? Last night was like the night before, I think. Sidath, do you make no difference between me and your husband? Not much. He's superstitious, and you are mad, in my opinion. You make me mad. You are not serious. Pray recollect yourself. Oh, yes. Now I remember. You were very impertinent and impudent, and would have come to bed to me. And did not? Did not. With that face, can you ask the question? This I have heard before, but never believed. I have been told that she had that admirable quality of forgetting to a man's face in the morning, that she had lain with him all night, and denying that she had done favours, with more impudence than she could grant him. Madam, I am your humble servant, and honour you. You look pretty well, Mr. Forsyte. How did you rest last night? Truly, Mr. Scandal, I was so taken up with broken dreams and distracted visions that I remember little. It was a very forgetting night. But what? You not talk with Valentine? Perhaps you may understand him. I'm apt to believe there is something mysterious in his discourses, and sometimes rather think him inspired than mad. You speak with singular good judgment, Mr. Scandal, truly. I am inclining to your Turkish opinion in this matter, and do reverence a man whom the vulgar think mad. Let us go to him. Sister, do you stay with them. I'll find out my lover, and give him his discharge and come to you. Oh, my conscience! Here he comes! Scene 13. Mrs. Frile, then. All mad, I think. Flesh, I believe all the calentures of the sea are come ashore for my part. Mr. Benjamin, in collar? No, I'm pleased well enough now I have found you. Yes, I've had such a hurricane upon your account yonder. My account? Pray, what's the matter? Why, father came and found me squabbling with yon chitty-faced singers he would have me marry, so he asked what was the matter. They asked in a surly sort of a way. It seems brother Val is gone mad, and so that put him into a passion. But what did I know that? What's that to me? So I asked in a surly sort of manner, and yet I answered in a surlily. What love he be my father, I ain't bound prentice to him. So, faith, I told him plain terms, if I were minded to marry, I'd marry to please myself, not him. And for a young woman that he provided for me, I thought it more fitting for her to learn her sampler and make dirt pies than to look after her husband. For my part, I was none of her man. I'd another voyage to make. Let him take it as he will. So, then, you intend to go to sea again? Nay, nay, my mind run upon you, but I will not tell him so much. So he said he'd make my heart ache, and if so be that he could get a woman to his mind, he'd marry himself. Cad, says I, and you play the fool and marry at these years, there's more danger of your heads aching than my heart. He was woundy angry when I had given that wife. He hadn't a word to say, and so I left him and the green girl together. Mayhap the beam may bite, and he'll marry her himself with all my heart. And were you this undutiful and graceless wretch to your father? Then why was he graceless first? If I am undutiful and graceless, why did he beget me so? I did not get myself. Oh, impiety! How have I been mistaken? What an inhuman, merciless creature have I set my heart upon! 
Oh, I am happy to have discovered the shelves and quicksands that lurk beneath that faithless, smiling face. Hey, Toss, what's the matter now? Why, you beant angry, be you? Oh, see me no more, for thou wert born amongst rocks, suckled by whales, cradled in a tempest, and whistled to by winds, and thou art come forth with fins and scales and three rows of teeth, a most outrageous fish of prey. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, she's mad, poor young woman. Love has turned her senses, her brain is quite overset. Well, a day, how shall I do to set her to rights? No, no, I am not mad, monster. I am wise enough to find you out. Hadst thou the impudence to aspire at being a husband with that stubborn and disobedient temper? You that know not how to submit to a father, presume to have a sufficient stock of duty to undergo a wife? I should have been finely fobbed indeed, very finely fobbed. Harky, forsooth. If so be that you are in your right senses, you see, for hot as I perceive, I'm like to be finely fobbed. If I have got anger here upon your account, and you are tacked about already. What do you mean after all your fair speeches, and striking my cheeks, and kissing and hugging? What would you shear off so? Would you, and leave me aground? No, I'll leave you adrift, and go which way you will. What? Are you false-hearted, then? Only the winds changed. More shame for you. The winds changed? It's any a wind blows nobody good. Mayhap I have a good riddance on you, if these be your tricks. What? Does you mean all this while to make a fool of me? Any fool but a husband. Husband? Cat, I would not be your husband if you would have me. Now I know your mind. Have you had you wet in golden jewels, and have I loved you never so well? Why, canst thou love, porpoise? No matter what I can do, don't call me names. I don't love you so well as to bear that whatever I did. I'm glad you show yourself, mistress. Let the merry ears don't know you. Gad, I know you too well, by sad experience. I believe he that marries you will go to sea in a hen-picked frigate. I believe that, young woman. And that may come to an anchor at Cuckold's Point. Oh, there's a dash for you. Take it as you will. Mayhap you may holler after me when I won't come to. Ha, ha, ha. No doubt on it. My true love's gone to sea. My true love's gone to sea. My true love's gone. Scene 14. Mrs. Frail, Mrs. Forsyte. Oh, sister, had you come a minute sooner, you would have seen the resolution of a lover. Honest Tar and I are parted, and with the same indifference that we met. Oh, my life, I am half vexed at the insensibility of a brute that I despised. What, then? He bore it most heroically? Most tyrannically. For you see, he has got the start of me, and I, the poor forsaken maid, am left complaining on the shore. But I'll tell you a hint that he has given me. Sir Samson is enraged, and talks desperately of committing matrimony himself. If he has a mind to throw himself away, he can't do it any more effectually than upon me, if we could bring it about. Oh, hang him, old fox, he's too cunning. Besides, he hates both you and me. But I have a project in my head for you, and I have gone a good way towards it. I have almost made a bargain with Jeremy, Valentine's man, to sell his master to us. Sell him? How? Valentine raves upon Angelica and took me for her. And Jeremy says we'll take anybody for her that he imposes on him. Now, I have promised him mountains, if in one of his mad fits he will bring you to him in her stead, and get you married together and put to bed together. And after consummation, girl, there's no revoking. And if he should recover his senses, he'll be glad at least to make you a good settlement. 
here they come. Stand aside a little and tell me how you like the design. Scene 15. Mrs. Forsythe, Mrs. Frail, Valentine, Scandal, Forsythe, and Jeremy. Scandal to Jeremy. And have you given your master a hint of their plot upon him? Yes, sir. He says he'll favour it and mistake her for Angelica. It may make a sport. Mercy on us. Hushed, interrupt me not. I'll whisper prediction to thee, and thou shalt prophesy. I am truth, and can teach thy tongue a new trick. I have told thee what's past. Now I'll tell what's to come. Dost thou know what will happen tomorrow? Oh, answer me not, for I will tell thee. Tomorrow knaves will thrive through craft, and fools through fortune, and honesty will go as it did, frost-nipped in a summer suit. Ask me questions concerning tomorrow. Ask him, Mr. Forsythe. Pray. What will be done at court? Scandal will tell you. I am truth. I never come there. In the city? Oh, prayers will be said in empty churches at the usual hours. Yet you will see such zealous faces behind counters, as if religion were to be sold in every shop. Oh, things will go methodically in the city. The clocks will strike twelve at noon, and the horned herd buzz in the exchange at two. Wives and husbands will drive distinct trades, and care and pleasure separately occupy the family. Coffee-houses will be full of smoke and stratagem and the cropped prentice that sweeps his master's shop in the morning may tend to one dirty his sheets before night but there are two things that you will see very strange which are wanton wives with their legs at liberty and tame cuckholes with chains around their necks but hold I must examine you before I go further. You look suspiciously. Are you a husband? I am married. Poor creature. Is your wife of Covent Garden Parish? No, St. Martin's in the fields. Alas, poor man, his eyes are sunk and his hands shriveled, his legs dwindled and his back bowed. Pray, pray for a metamorphosis. Change thy shape and shake off age. Get thee Medea's kettle and be boiled anew. Come forth with labyrinth callous hands, a chine of steel and atlas shoulders. Let Taliacosius trim the calves of twenty chairmen and make the pedestals to stand erect upon, and look matrimony in the face. Ha, ha, ha! That a man should have a stomach to a wedding supper, when the pigeons ought rather to be laid to his feet. Ha, ha, ha! His frenzy is very high now, Mr. Scandal. I believe it is springtide. Oh, very likely, truly. You understand these matters. Uh, Mr. Scandal, I shall be very glad to confer with you about these things which he has uttered. His sayings are very mysterious and hieroglyphical. Oh, why would Angelica be absent from my eyes so long? She's here, sir. Now, sister. Oh, Lord, what must I say? Humor him, madam, by all means. Where is she? Oh, I see her. She comes. Oh, 
all like riches health and liberty at once to a despairing starving and abandoned wretch oh welcome welcome how do you sir can i serve you harkee i have a secret to tell you endymion and the moon shall meet us upon mount latmos and we'll be married in the dead of night but say not a word hymen shall put his torch into a dark lanthorn that it may be secret and juno shall give her peacock puppy water that we may fold his ogling tail and argus's hundred eyes be shut nobody shall know but jeremy no no we'll keep it secret it shall be done presently the sooner the better jeremy come hither closer that none may overhear us jeremy i can tell you news angelica is turned nun and i am turning friar and yet we'll marry one another in spite of the pope get me a cowl in beads that i may play my part and she'll meet me two hours hence in black and white and a long veil to cover the project and we won't see one another's faces till we have done something to be ashamed of and then we'll blush once for all Scene 16. To them, Tuttle and Angelica. I'll take care, and... Whisper. Nay, Mr. Tuttle, if you make love to me, you spoil my design, for I intend to make you my confidant. But, madam, to throw away your person, such a person, and such a fortune on a madman, i never loved him till he was mad but don't tell anybody so how's this tuttle making love to angelica tell madam alas you don't know me i have much ado to tell your ladyship how long i have been in love with you but encouraged by the impossibility of valentine's making any more addresses to you i have ventured to declare the very inmost passion of my heart oh madam look upon us both there you see the ruins of a poor decayed creature here a complete and lively figure with youth and health and all his five senses in perfection madam and to all this the most passionate lover oh fie for shame hold your tongue a passionate lover and five senses in perfection when you are as mad as valentine i'll believe you love me <laughs> and the maddest shall take me it is enough ha who's here frail to jeremy oh lord her coming will spoil all no no ma'am he won't know her if he should i can persuade him scandal who are these foreigners if they are i'll tell you what i think get away all the company but angelica that i may discover my design to her i will i have discovered something of tattle that is of a piece with mrs frail he calls angelica if we could contrive to couple em together hucky he won't know you cousin he knows nobody but he knows more than anybody oh niece he knows things past and to come and all the profound secrets of time look you mr foresight it is not my way to make many words of matters and so i shan't say much but in short do you see i will hold you a hundred pounds now that i know more secrets than he how i cannot read that knowledge in your face mr tattle pray 
what do you know why do you think i tell you sir read it in my face no sir tis written in my heart and safer there sir than letters writ in juice of lemon for no fire can fetch it out i am no blab sir acquaint jeremy with it he may easily bring it about they are welcome and i'll tell him so myself to scandal what do you look strange upon me well, then i must be plain coming up to them i am truth and hate an old acquaintance with a new face scandal goes aside with jeremy do you know me valentine you who are you <laughs> no i hope not i am jack tattle your friend my friend what to do i am no married man and thou canst not lie with my wife i am very poor and thou canst not borrow money of me then what employment have i for a friend ha a good open speaker and not to be trusted with a secret do you know me valentine oh very well who am i you're a woman one to whom heaven gave beauty when it grafted roses on a briar you are the reflection of heaven in a pond and he that leaps at you is sunk you are all white a sheet of lovely spotless paper when you first are born but you are to be scrawled and blotted by every goose's quill i know you for i loved a woman and loved her so long that i found out a strange thing i found out what a woman was good for i prithee what's that why to keep a secret oh lord oh exceedingly good to keep a secret for though she should tell yet she is not to be believed ha good again faith i would have music sing me the song that i like song i tell thee charmion could i time retrieve and could again begin to love and live to you i should my earliest offering give i know my eyes would lead my heart to you and i should all my vows and oaths renew but to be plain i never could be true for by our weak and weary truth i find love hates to centre in a point assigned but runs with joy the circle of the mind then never let us chain what should be free but for relief by the sex agree since women love to change and so do we no more for i am melancholy walks musing jeremy to scandal i'll do it sir uh, mr forsyth we had best leave him he may grow outrageous and do mischief i will be directed by you jeremy to mrs frail you'll meet ma'am i'll take care everything shall be ready thou shalt do what thou wilt i will deny thee nothing tuttle to angelica madam shall i wait upon you no i'll stay with him mr scandal will protect me and mr teddle desires you would give him leave to wait on you pox on it there's no coming off now she has said that madam will you do me the honour mr tattle might have used less ceremony scene seventeen angelica valentine scandal 
Jeremy, follow Tato. Mr. Scandal, I only stay till my maid comes, and because I had a mind to be rid of Mr. Tattle. Madam, I am very glad that I overheard a better reason which you gave to Mr. Tattle, for his impertinence forced you to acknowledge a kindness for Valentine, which you denied to all his sufferings and my solicitations. So I leave him to make use of the discovery, and your ladyship to the free confession of your inclinations. Oh, heavens! You won't leave me alone with a madman. Nay, madam, I don't leave a madman to his remedy. Scene 18. Angelica Valentine. Madam, you need not be very much afraid, for I fancy I begin to come to myself. Angelica aside. Ay, but if I don't fit you, I'll be hanged. You see what disguises love makes us put on. Gods have been in counterfeited shapes for the same reason, and the divine part of me, my mind, has worn this mask of madness and this motley livery only as the slave of love and menial creature of your beauty. Mercy on me, how he talks! Poor Valentine! nay faith now let us understand one another hypocrisy apart the comedy draws toward an end and let us think of leaving acting and be ourselves and since you have loved me you must own i have at length deserved you should confess it <sighs> i would i had loved you for heaven knows i pity you and could i have foreseen the bad effects i would have striven but that's too late <sighs> what sad effects what's too late my seeming madness has deceived my father and procured me time to think of means to reconcile me to him and preserve the right of my inheritance to his estate which otherwise by articles i must this morning have resigned and this i had informed you of to-day but you were gone before i knew you had been here how i thought your love of me had caused this transport in your soul which it seems you only counterfeited for mercenary ends and sordid interest nay now you do me wrong for if any interest was considered it was yours since i thought i wanted more than love to make me worthy of you then you thought me mercenary but how am i deluded by this interval of sense to reason with a madman oh tis barbarous to misunderstand me longer scene nineteen to them jeremy oh he is a reasonable creature sure he will not have the impudence to persevere come jeremy acknowledge your trick and confess your master's madness counterfeit counterfeit ma'am i'll maintain him to be as absolutely and substantially mad as any free order in bethlehem nay he's as mad as any projector fanatic chemist lover or poet in europe sirrah you be i am not mad <laughs> you see he denies it oh lord ma'am did you ever know any madman mad enough to own it sot can't you apprehend why he talked very sensibly just now yes ma'am he has intervals but you see he begins to look wild again now why you thick scald rascal i tell you the farce is done and i will be mad no longer beats him <laughs> is he mad or no jeremy partly i think for he does not know his mind two hours i'm sure i left him just now in the humour to be mad and i think that i have not found him very quiet at this present one knocks who's there go see you sot 
I'm very glad that I can move your mirth, though not your compassion. I did not think you had apprehension enough to be exceptions, but madmen show themselves most by over-pretending to a sound understanding, as drunken men do by over-acting sobriety. I was half inclining to believe you, till I accidentally touched upon your tender part. But now you have restored me to my former opinion and compassion. Sir, your father has sent to know if you are any better yet. Will you please to be mad, sir, or how? Stupidity! You know the penalty of all I'm worth must pay for the confession of my senses. I'm mad, and will be mad to everybody but this lady. So, just the very backside of truth. But lying is a figure in speech that interlards the greatest part of my conversation. Ma'am, your ladyship's woman. Scene 20. Valentine, Angelica, Jenny. Well, have you been there? Come hither. Jenny, aside to Angelica. Yes, madame. Sir Sampson will wait upon you presently. You're not leaving me in this uncertainty. Would anything but a madman complain of uncertainty? Uncertainty and expectation are the joys of life. Security is an insipid thing, and the overtaking and possessing of a wish discovers the folly of the chase. Never let us know one another better, for the pleasure of a masquerade is done when we come to show our faces. But I'll tell you two things before I leave you. I am not the fool you take me for, and you are mad and don't know it. Scene 21. Valentine, Jeremy. From a riddle you can expect nothing but a riddle. There's my instruction and the moral of my lesson. What is the lady gone again, sir? I hope you understood one another before she went. Understood? She is harder to be understood than a piece of Egyptian antiquity or an Irish manuscript. You may pour till you spoil your eyes and not improve your knowledge. I have heard em say, sir, they read art Hebrew books backwards. Maybe you begin to read at the wrong end. They say so of a witch's prayer, and dreams and Dutch almanacs are to be understood by contraries. But there's regularity and method in that. She is a medal without a reverse or inscription, for indifference has both sides alike. Yet, while she does not seem to hate me, I will pursue her and know her if it is possible in spite of the opinion of my satirical friend scandal who says that women are like tricks by sleight of hand which to admire we should not understand end of act four